0: March 15th, 2020, a year ago this weekend, you remember that? On that Sunday, our church had no in-person worship service. For the first time in our history, Plum Creek was online only. All of a sudden, COVID-19 brought this major disruption, not only to our church, but to the entire country and the entire world. You probably remember how those early days just felt so surreal. We were all wondering, how long is this going to last? How long will things be shut down? A couple of weeks? Maybe a month? It's kind of crazy to look back on that now because at that time, I had no idea what the next year would bring. I just didn't get it. And if you had told me last March that it would be a full year before our kids were back in school five days a week, I don't think I would have believed it. Actually, there are a lot of things that I don't think I would have believed back then. It's been a difficult year in many ways, but I'm so thankful that things seem to be moving in a good direction. I'm so glad that many of you have gotten your vaccine and you're getting out and you're doing some of the things that you used to do. And I'm so glad that most of our kids and teachers are back in the school building Monday through Friday. Uh, We do have many reasons to praise God right now. In fact, let's take a moment and go to him in prayer. Father, we do praise you. You are good. At the same time, Lord, it, it has been a tough year. And Lord, I lift up those who are struggling as a result of this pandemic. And Lord, I I also thank you. I thank you that you've reminded us that we are not in control. And you've reminded us of our need for you. And Lord, as we look to your word today, I pray that you will speak to us and that we will listen and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited to get into today's sermon. Uh, The title of this sermon is a little strange. It's called, People Who Don't Get It. And I'm sure this topic resonates with a lot of us because there are so many occasions when certain individuals or whole groups of people just don't get it. For example, when it came to COVID-19, the Doug of March 2020, I didn't get it. And over the past year, I'm sure there have been plenty plenty of times when you saw someone maybe on TV or on social media or in person, and you thought to yourself, you really don't get it, do you? And I'm not just talking about the pandemic, right? That's only one category. We've had disagreements with people over all kinds of things, politics, social issues, moral standards. It goes on and on. In fact, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen the level of disagreement and division that we've seen over the past year. And because of that current reality, I believe this sermon series is very important. Love first. Last week, Troy kicked off this series, and he did a great job reminding us of God's great love for us. None of us deserve his love. But he offers it anyway. God doesn't wait until you get your act together. He loves you right now. And that's the message of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 5.8. That verse says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait to show his love. Through Jesus, God loved us first. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So that means God loves you even when you don't get it. And then if you are a follower of Jesus, guess what God expects of you? He expects you to love first, even when other people don't have their act together, even when other people don't get it. And of course, loving others first, it's easier said than done. And so it's very helpful to go back and see how Jesus did it. And that's what we're doing for the rest of this series. Every week, we'll look at a story where somebody meets Jesus and he loves first. And I need to tell you, some of these stories will be kind of surprising. Uh, Some of them will be challenging. And a few of them may be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, if our hearts are open, we're going to hear some good news. So let's dive in. Today's encounter comes from the Gospel of Mark. And if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can still follow along on the screen. So here we go. Mark 10, starting with verse 17. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me at this The man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, so this is a famous story, but it's also an unpopular story. And you can see why, right? Let's be honest. It is a little jarring. Why did Jesus tell this man to sell everything he had? That's extreme. And then, how do we apply this story in our lives? Is it possible that Jesus wants us to sell everything and give to the poor? Surely not, right? That's not reasonable. It's not practical. I mean, what are we supposed to do? When you become a follower of Jesus, are are you supposed to wander around homeless and starving until you die? No, that can't be it. That doesn't make sense. But then how do we handle this passage? Well, I'll tell you what we often do. We try to tone it down. We try to explain it away. But guess what? If we minimize what Jesus says in this passage, we become a lot like the rich man. Because the rich man is like, Jesus, that command is not reasonable. It's not practical. And I was genuinely interested in what you had to say, but not now. Sorry, it's too much. I'm out. And we can see where he's coming from, right? But you know what I believe about the rich man? I believe he didn't get it. He was mixed up. He was confused. And he absolutely made the wrong call. And if we find ourselves sympathizing with this rich man, that means we're a little confused too. There are certain ways in which we don't get it, And then, all of a sudden, this story might not feel like very good news. But hang on, because I promise there is good news here. Very good news. One of my favorite parts of this story is up in verse 21. Jesus and the rich man are in the middle of this awkward conversation, and what does it say? Jesus looked at him and loved him. In other words, he loved first. And that is so amazing because Jesus can see into this rich man's heart. Jesus knows that this guy is prideful. He's materialistic. He values the things of this world above the things of God. He just doesn't get it. You know, there are several places in the Bible where Jesus knows the inner thoughts and inner feelings of people. In Luke chapter 5, there's a showdown between Jesus and the religious leaders. And in Luke 5, 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Uh, that's a little intimidating, isn't it? Can you imagine standing next to Jesus and he listens to your inner voice and he analyzes your thoughts? Can, can you imagine him knowing all of your secrets That sounds awful, doesn't it? But why does it sound awful? Well, it's because we don't want to be ashamed and we don't want to be rejected. But here's the good news. In Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus is not rejecting this man. Jesus looked at him and loved him. So he doesn't look down on this man. He doesn't walk away. He loves God first. And if at all possible, Jesus wants to help this man find freedom. And if you remember only one thing from this sermon, I hope you'll remember this. When Jesus encountered someone who didn't get it, he loved first. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that even while we were still sinners, God loved us. But for all of us who follow Jesus, there is a second thing that I hope you'll remember from this sermon. You might know where I'm going here. When followers of Jesus encounter someone who doesn't get it, God calls us to love first. And let's think about this in the context of what we've experienced over the past year. Think about those times when you've looked at someone and you've thought to yourself, you just don't get it, do you? Now, when you encounter someone like that, what's your first reaction? Do you get angry Do you just write that person off and walk away? Or or do you circle up with people who agree with you and then talk about what an idiot that person is? Because Jesus did none of those things, did he? Jesus looked at this man and loved him. And that is a massive challenge for us. But if we're ever going to be the church that God calls us to be, this is where we start. We start with love we love first and listen don't assume that i'm being simplistic here i'm not saying that we should affirm everyone even when they're wrong or wrong-headed or misguided but i am saying that everything we say and do needs to come from a place of love and this is where we can learn so much from jesus what happens after verse 21 What happens after Jesus looks at this man and loves him? Well, we saw what happened, right? Jesus says some very hard things. But when we look closer at this passage, we can see that Jesus is being very intentional here. He doesn't start with love and then all of a sudden get harsh. No, no, Jesus not only loved first, he continued to show love even when that meant tough love. Remember, the rich man doesn't get it. He needs a wake-up call. And that's why Jesus tells this man to sell everything and give to the poor. Yes, that command sounds extreme. Yes, it seems unreasonable. But it's all coming from a place of love. Think about it like this. Let's say there's a man who has chest pains, and he goes to see the doctor. And let's say the doctor discovers that he has a serious heart condition. In fact, if he doesn't have open-heart surgery, this man is going to die. Now, how would it feel to be that man and hear that news? It would be pretty upsetting, wouldn't it? But then how would a caring and compassionate doctor handle this? Would the doctor say, well, I don't want to upset this guy, So I'm just going to tell him to take an aspirin every day and then I'll send him on his way. No, that would not be caring or compassionate, would it? If you really care, you have to tell the truth. You have to confront your patient with reality, even though it might seem harsh. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing with the rich man. This man needed radical surgery to save his life. and So Jesus cuts to the heart. And when you keep that in mind, the rest of the conversation makes more sense. So let's go back and pay close attention to what Jesus is doing here. First, how does the conversation start? The rich man runs up to Jesus, falls to his knees, and he asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what do we know about this man? Well, he shows up in three different books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew tells us that he's young. Luke tells us that he's a ruler, someone in authority. And all three books tell us that he's very wealthy. And this is why he's often called the rich young ruler. But by all accounts, this guy is successful. He's done very well for himself. And he should be very happy, right? He should be content. But sometimes at night, he lies awake in his bed staring at the ceiling, and it hits him. He's going to die. Sure, in this life, he's very comfortable, but what about the next life? He's tried to be a good person. He's tried to please God, but has it been enough? That question haunts him. That question gives him fear and anxiety, and he needs somebody who can give him peace and assurance and so when the rich man hears about Jesus, he says, maybe he's the one who can help me. And then Jesus travels through that region, and the rich man races out to ask him that question. And how does Jesus respond? He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, I keep saying that Jesus loves first, but in this case, uh, That seems like a weird response, doesn't it? It's weird because Jesus is good. He's absolutely perfect. And he is also God. He's God in the flesh. So when the man calls him good teacher, that's completely appropriate, right? So why not give this guy a break? Well, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is a heart surgeon. And he's about to go to work. He says, if you are serious about calling me good, then you're really calling me God. And before you give me that title, you better think about the implications because I'm about to tell you some things that you won't want to hear. And if I am God, you need to listen to what I say and follow my instructions. And then Jesus says another strange thing. He says, you know the commandments, And then he lists a few of them. Don't murder, don't steal, and so forth. Now, if you've been around our church for a while, you've heard me talk about the difference between the law system in the Old Testament and the system of grace in the New Testament. And the law system doesn't work, right? You can't earn God's approval by trying to follow His commands because you'll never be good enough. The only way to have eternal life is is through the grace of Jesus. And if anybody knows that, Jesus does. So why does he make it sound like this rich man could get to heaven by following the Ten Commandments? Well, here's something that I don't talk about very much. There actually is a way that you can get to heaven by obeying the law. But there's just one problem. If you want to inherit eternal life by keeping the Ten Commandments, You have to follow the law perfectly on every single point. And unfortunately, none of us will ever come close to that level of perfection. And this is one of those areas where the rich man doesn't get it. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he says. He's in complete denial. He's fooled himself into thinking that he's a better man than he really is. And you can understand why. He grew up in a Jewish family, good home. He knows the Bible. He tries to do the right thing. But Jesus is about to burst that bubble. And he does it in a surprising way. Because if you, were, if you and I were in the place of Jesus, we might have said, oh, really? You've kept all the commandments? Have you never told even a small lie? Have you never dishonored your father and mother by saying something disrespectful? And what about thou shalt not covet? Have you never wanted something that belonged to somebody else? Maybe somebody else's house? Somebody else's wife? Are you seriously telling me that you've never broken any of God's commandments? Now, Jesus could have said that, but he didn't. Right after this comment is when Jesus looked at the man and loved him. And because of his love, Jesus wants this man to understand that he is in a very dangerous place. His pride has clouded his judgment. Like all of us, this rich man, he had a desperate need for God. And unless he could admit that need, he is headed for a disaster. He's headed for eternal death not eternal life. And that's why Jesus responds with that extreme command. Remember, he knows this man's heart. This successful man is holding on to his wealth with a white-knuckled death grip. The one true God is not his God. He's made an idol out of money. So Jesus says, one thing you lack go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me now we already said this this command seems unreasonable it seems impractical because if you followed this command where would that leave you how would you live well jesus does not tell the man what would happen after he gave his wealth away but we have an advantage We can look at what Jesus says on another occasion in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. Look at the birds. God takes care of them. God feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than birds? So trust in God. Seek him first. Put him above everything else, and he will take care of you. That's what the rich man needed to do. He needed to let go of his wealth and and place his life completely in God's hands. The other day, I watched this video on YouTube. It was fascinating. The video is called, Curiosity Kills the Baboon. Some of you might remember a few years ago, I had kind of a scary encounter with a baboon when I was on a mission trip in Kenya. But now that I've seen this video, I'll be ready for the next time. Now I know how to kill a baboon. So here's what happened. Uh, The video was filmed in Africa, in a place where they have lots of baboons. And there's a big termite mound. It's as hard as concrete. And this man walks up, and he drills a hole into this termite mound. And then he takes a handful of melon seeds, puts them inside the hole. And there's a group of baboons watching him. They see the whole thing. Apparently, they're very curious animals. And this man just walks away, and one of those baboons comes up to the termite mound. And he reaches in because he wants to know what the man put in there. And he grabs a hold of these melon seeds. And he can get his hand in, but he can't get his fist out. And he won't let go. So the man walks up, and he has a noose. And he's going to slip that noose over the baboon's neck. But that's when the video gets a little crazy. This baboon goes nuts. He starts screaming and flipping upside down. It looks like he's about to pull his arm off. But then the man just walks up, puts the noose over his neck, and he's got him. All for a handful of melon seeds. And that's exactly what happened when this rich man held on to his money. And that's exactly what happens today when someone holds on to something or someone and they're not willing to let go and give it to God. This is what Jesus wanted the rich man to understand. Jesus is like, I love you, but you don't get it. You can't earn your salvation. It's not about proving yourself. It's about letting go. You know, from the very beginning, this man was trying to do something to earn eternal life. What, what was that question he asked at the beginning of that conversation? He said, what must I do? In his mind, there had to be some way that he could show God he deserved to be in heaven. He was thinking, hey, I've proven myself in business and, and I've gotten promotions. Now I'm a ruler? I mean, I know how to perform. So, Jesus, just tell me what I need to do. But Jesus says, Stop your striving. You can't do this. Just let go. Let God be God, and He will take care of you. But the man wouldn't listen. He wouldn't let go. He was holding on to those melon seeds. So, when Jesus gave that command, his face fell. And he walked away sad because he had great wealth. You know, when I read this story earlier, I stopped at the point where the man walked away. But that's not the end of the story. Let's go back and read a little further. After the rich man walked away, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I believe the rich man really did want to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, I think he wanted it pretty bad. Remember, he ran up to Jesus and he fell on his knees. That was a humbling act for a rich young ruler. So, I believe that he wanted to be a part of God's kingdom, but he didn't want it enough to let go of his wealth. He was blinded by his attachment to material things. Because of that blindness, he never saw that Jesus is worth far more than any amount of money. And that's why it's so difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And if you want to enter the kingdom, God can make that happen. But you have to let go. I heard someone put it this way. If we come to God with empty hands, he fills them. But if we come to God with full hands... He finds no place to put himself. In Mark chapter 10, the rich man was a guy who didn't get it. But let's not miss the good news. Throughout this whole story, even as the man walked away, Jesus still loved him. He he would have been glad to accept him. Now, at the beginning of this sermon, I said, we're looking at encounters with Jesus because we want to learn how to love like Jesus. And that means we love first, even when people don't get it. It also means that sometimes we have to show tough love. Sometimes we need to say things that people don't want to hear. But I do need to give a word of caution here, because you and I are not Jesus. Uh, We don't always know best. There are times when I am absolutely certain that I'm right, but I'm actually wrong. So we all need to stay humble. And sometimes we need to hold back before we give somebody a good talking to. And sometimes we need to lay down our pride and realize this time I'm the one who doesn't get it. I'll give you an example. As we all read this story today, there's a tough question that we should be asking. The question is, am I the rich man? Am I the rich man? For most of us, it's easy to say, Well, of course not. I mean, I do pay my bills, but I wouldn't call myself rich. Now, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, those guys are rich. But let's think about this for a second. A while back, I heard another preacher explain it this way. He said, let's say the rich young ruler was suddenly transported into our time. I don't know how. And then let's say I found him walking on the side of the road, and then let's say that I picked up this rich young ruler and I brought him to my house. What would that be like? Well, I would pull up in my Honda CRV, and he'd open the door and get in, and then I'd hit the gas pedal. And this man would start freaking out because he's never traveled this fast before. And, and all of a sudden, he would, he would yell at me, how are you moving this wagon? Where are the horses? And I'd say, oh, my friend, the horses are under the hood. And he'd say, how, how many horses does it take to travel this speed? And I'd say, all right, a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know exactly. I, I wish I had more, but this gets me where I'm going. And then uh, we'd arrive at my house. I'd pull into the driveway, and with a touch of a button, I would move an entire wall of my house. And he'd say, how did you do that? How did you move that wall? And I'd say, with my finger. Then we'd walk inside through the garage, and he'd see all these boxes and bins, and, and he'd ask, what's in all these boxes? And I'd say, well, I'll tell you, I don't know exactly. Um, There's probably a lot of things in there we should throw away. And then I'd open the door to my house, and the rich man would walk in and look around with wide eyes. And then he'd go over to the sink, and he'd work the handle, and he'd say, you have streams of water flowing into your house. Can I drink this? And I'd say, I guess you could, technically. It's not going to kill you. But we prefer the water that's filtered over here at the fridge. And then he'd turn around and he'd see the refrigerator. He'd open it up, see all this food. And I'd say, well, sorry about that. We need to go to the grocery store. I really don't have anything to eat. And then finally, we'd walk over to the living room. And I'd push a button and I would turn on my art. And I would show him all these different streaming channels and I'd bring up YouTube and and I'd show him this baboon trying to get melon seeds out of a termite mound. And then I'd hit another button and I'd make it all go away. And finally, the rich man would fall to his knees and he'd say, how can I have what you have? And I'd say, sorry bud, you live in the first century. You can't have any of this. You see, the truth is, the vast majority of people would look at us and say, you are rich beyond our wildest dreams. I am the rich man. So often, I I don't even think about that. I, I don't get it. But I'm so thankful for this story in the Gospel of Mark because this story tells me even when I don't get it, Jesus still loves me. He loves me first. And because of his love, Jesus will challenge me. He will search my heart. He might even ask, if, if I ask you, are you willing to let go? Would you be willing to sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Do you truly see me as God? Are you willing to seek me first above all else? Can you see that I am worth far more than anything you could find in this world? I do believe that Jesus is worthy of all my worship, but when it comes down to it, am I willing to let go of everything else but Him? And when it comes down to it, are you willing to let go of everything else but Him? What is it that's difficult for you to let go of? Is it material things? Is it some behavior or habit that uh, you just don't want to stop? Is it pride? whatever it is, the worst thing you could do is look at Jesus and then walk away sad. The best thing you could do is realize how much He loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And whatever He asks you to do, He has your best interests in mind. And when you are the person who doesn't get it, Jesus loves you enough to show you the truth. So let's learn to accept His love and hear His truth. Let's learn to let go of anything that comes between us and Jesus. Let's pray. Father, so often we're not even thinking about the fact that we are overly attached to things in this world. Lord, I pray that You will reveal to us All the times when we don't get it. All the times when ah, we're not recognizing your great worth and your great love. Lord, I pray that you will help us to accept your love, be changed by your Spirit, and then go out and love others first. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.